0: Oh, cheaper's Cripes. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. life got you down. Just keep her moving. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. Uh, this week, my guest is Lucas Eyes. Lucas is an Oglala, Lakota writer, screenwriter in Hollywood. He's working on shows that you may know, like uh, Alexa and Katie or Young and Hungry. Um, and he's just a, a very funny guy. He and I are actually working on a project together as well. But uh, I think that this conversation will be interesting for a number of reasons. One, if you're looking to be a screenwriter in Hollywood, Lucas offers his path to doing that. And I think a lot of people often think, oh, that's such a pie in the sky dream. It, it's not. There's, there's many different ways to uh, become that. So if that's your dream. I wouldn't hesitate to go for it. I think you'll spend just as much time working to become uh, you know, one of the practical jobs as you would becoming what you really want. So uh, that's an interesting thing that uh, came out of this conversation. Another uh, thing, and really the focus of this conversation was native representation in, in America and in Hollywood. And it's Hollywood has a long, complicated history, misrepresenting, underrepresenting, or just not representing natives at all. And, uh, that has, you know, that sort of stuff have, has implications. I know some people think like, oh, what's the big deal? But so much of our perception of reality comes from, you know, looking at film and looking at TV and, and, and culture and, and how it permeates that, that affects our, our thoughts on, uh, on people subconsciously and, and consciously so when the representation isn't there that is uh, problematic Lucas does a much better job of explaining all this so you can look uh, forward to that also Lucas and I are working on a project together uh, which I really can't give any details on but uh, just know that so he's not only uh, a great guest for the Cribs cast he's also a friend of mine but before we get to the interview just to recap on this week uh, we released. Really Least the first time golfer video this week. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to my friend Ted Nowak, who gave gifted me that lime wedge, which ended up being uh, a real, a real, it really stole the show. You know, you do this, this whole video, you write jokes, and then you pull lime putter uh, uh, out of your bag. It was a Modelo lime putter, uh, a promotional putter from 2006. Uh, my friend Ted gave it to me, and uh, everybody loved it. So am I going to be selling those? No. Where can you get them? I, Ted told me I have the only one in the world, so I guess you have to come to my golf bag if you really want that. Um, also, I, I want to thank everybody for your support, giving me support about using the practice balls on the golf course, okay? I Honestly, that always just seemed like a no-brainer, you know? They got all these free golf balls. Why would I use uh a three to four dollar golf ball we know where that ball's going it's going in the woods okay uh so why not use the free ones on the course apparently they're not free charlie speak for yourself they were there no one was looking uh what else oh last night i was over at adam gruel's Place from uh, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. He and I are working on an album together. So that's that's really exciting. Uh, it should be coming out, I'm hoping, within a month. But, uh, you know, I will probably eat those words because it will probably uh, be delayed, as most albums are. And this is my first album. So it's exciting. and uh, And I'm really enjoying the process. I've been trying to learn to sing better. Uh, so, prepare for my singing voice. Oh, holy night, the stars were brightly shining. Yep, it's gonna sound like that. Okay, anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with my good friend, Lucas Browneyes.
1: I'm a TV writer, uh, you know, I'm Native American, Oglala Lakota, um, so basically, you know, like I said, lived all around the Midwest, Families from South Dakota. Uh, and one day, you know, I was 13. It was kind of a low point. Um, my mom was like, Hey, if we could go anywhere and start over, there's like an emotional story behind it, but I've, I don't have to pitch it to you guys. Uh, <laughs> if we could go anywhere and start over, uh, where would it be? And I'm 13 and I'm really dumb. So I go Hollywood, with like jazz hands and everything. Cause I'm that type of kid. Uh, and then my mom, she just said something really dumb. She goes, okay. So we packed up our things, and we literally just drove to Hollywood. Um, actually Santa Ana, but when you're in South Dakota, if something's <laughs> an hour and a half away and nothing at all alike, it's the same It's the same place. Same deal. Uh, so Santa Ana's Hollywood, Hollywood's LA, pretty much a 500 square mile thing is all just one thing. Um, that's just how it is. Uh, so, so we wind up in Santa Ana, which is nothing like Hollywood, but to us it is, because it has palm trees. Um, we go down there, and like literally the day we get down there, my mom has this job interview, and I have this art school, it, you know, it's like the Fame High School, but in Orange County. Um, and, you know, I guess nothing at all like the Fame High School, because that was a movie. But it was an <laughs> arts high school. Um, and we kind of pin all of our hopes on it, because we don't know any better. Um, and then, like, it's crazy, because the day we get down there, job interview, audition, and I actually, they're like, oh, you know, we like you, but it's a competitive school, and you need to submit a video for it. And I had never even touched a camera. I didn't even have one. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, that's it. And my mom was like, no, we're Lakota. We don't give up without a fight. So she actually went and she pawned all of her jewelry to get me a video camera. And we shot it that day, got it in in time. And and probably, you know, through a lot of sheer luck and, and definitely pity, uh, I got in. My mom got the um, got the job. And, you know, that in itself would be cool. But, like, at that point in time, my family was very separated, it was just me and my mom, but I I grew up with literally 10 people, with Mm -hmm. my mom, my grandma, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my just everyone, my brothers, everyone. Uh, It was super loud and no one had any privacy. Um, And, you know, at that time it was just me and my mom. And, you know, nothing's really complete unless you have your family, your whole family. Um, So then, you know, the real real miracle in my mind happened is my brother got chased off the reservation Cause he's the kind of guy that gets chased out of (laughs) places. And then like a tree fell in my aunt's house. And within six months, my entire family regrouped in California. And I like to say, my family is like the Lakota spirit. You can knock us down, but you can't keep us there. Um, So that's kind of like how I got to California. And then, you know, I went on to USC to become like a TV writer and all this stuff. Um, And then, you know, I did like, you know, I worked for Freeform, Disney, Netflix. Um, And then, you know, at a certain point, after like five seasons of television, six seasons of television, uh, I was like, well, what do I want? I want to sell a show. I want to I see Native Family on television. So yeah. I sold a show based on kind of what I just told you, but a lot more funny and a lot more emotional. Um, a <laughs> lot more funny. Um, and then it's funny because Fox was like, wait, your mom just drove down there with no job, no house? Yeah. No- kind of. Yeah, Did you have a school? Uh, that's kind of irresponsible. So, so we changed that. Uh, but yeah, which I find super funny because I'm like, Oh, that's like a huge part of the, that,
0: that, that is, yeah, that is the biggest. Well, let's, let's touch on that real quick. What was the inspiration for your mom to just say, okay, you said Hollywood, I say go, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, it was, it was a couple, it was about a year or so. After uh, my brother died, I had uh, my oldest brother, he died and my family, yeah, my family kind of crumbled, you know, after that, I went from like a 10 person family to just me and my mom. Um, So that was kind of the turning point. And also my mom's just super supportive and crazy. Um, So that's also a big part of it.
0: But uh, you had a passion at this point to become a writer or did oh, you? Oh,
1: I, I was that annoying kid who was like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and make the movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz um, hands and all.
1: Yeah, jazz hands. I mean, yeah. you don't have jazz hands, I don't think you're serious. No, you're not what,
0: selling it enough. You're going to yeah, Arizona like, then. Forget about it. Like
1: if I, if I was pitching the new iPhone, it'd be the iPhone jazz hands. Yeah. Because um, honestly, I don't take you seriously if you don't have jazz hands. Um, oh, which sure, is why yeah. I take very little people except for Bob Fosse and a few, <laughs> uh, theater camp kids seriously. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, my mom was just super supportive and I was always just a kid with a big mouth who constantly talked uh, and that's kind of, you know, that's, that's what happened. And uh, it w- it was crazy because uh, you go down there and it's a completely new world, obviously, mm-hmm. but then you're going to like this art school, which is just art schools, at least this one was very weird because you're going to school and then for like, it ends at two and then from like two to to five, you're doing all these amazing art classes, which is really cool. And like, if I ever had a kid, I want them to be like a nerd who goes to one of these schools because they won't have enough time to get into trouble. Uh, I mean, yeah. you still, can. you definitely still can. But like at the same time, like I, I want a kid who's constantly busy and, you know, <laughs> just you never. know
0: idle hands are the devil's workshop or something Was yeah that a yeah exactly something somewhere yeah the,
1: like devil, the devil i think it's the devil's playground but Brother. workshop it's probably colloquial you know yeah depends yeah, on somewhere, the somewhere in, the in chicago it's workshop yeah. <laughs> um and somewhere in you know nebraska it's playground yeah, yeah. um yeah so, i find i find
0: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no.
1: I was just going to go on a tangent about colloquialisms, but it's pointless.
0: Okay. Well, I was going to say so, how did uh, life on the reservation differ from life in uh, Hollywood?
1: Yeah. The funny thing is, I mean, you know, obviously I moved around a lot. So, like, you know, there's like the reservation and then there's like towns surrounding the reservation that you have to go to because you don't have a bank or a grocery store where you live in your town. So like I, that for me being a kid who was kind of annoying and, you know, had big dreams and stars in his eyes, that was the biggest difference is like can California, I mean, hell, Kansas, Wichita had things. When Mm -hmm. I lived in Wichita, I was like, Oh my God, they have a mall. They have two malls and one of them is bad and one of them is good. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Um, Like, like that's one of the you know, the things is just uh resources and buildings and stuff. Like you you know, when you're a kid and, and you don't you don't have the 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 cultural knowledge to be aware of like how different things are. Like I know for a fact if I moved from South Dakota to here now, it would be a completely different experience. But like as a kid, you're like Taco Bell.
0: Yeah. Holy
1: shit. Yeah. Like like the amount of holy shit, we have a Taco Bell. Like, I love Carl's Jr. And everyone hates him. I don't know why, because it's amazing. Um, but but I know it has to do with the fact that, one, they have a burger called, like, The Famous Star and The Superstar. Um, so that had something to do with it. And two, it's amazing. I don't know. I still don't understand it. But I'm like, oh, it, it's because you guys grew up with this or something. Like, there's definitely a, I, I don't appreciate this amazing franchise for what it is. Um, yeah. Because, you know. We uh, like right now, and I, this happened after I was there, but literally uh, Pine Ridge got a subway. That was a big deal. Oh uh, yeah. And that, like literally. Uh, and then uh, that's about it. The AT&T came up after I was gone. Uh, and, and like, you know, you live in Martin, which is technically like not the reservation, um, but you can't explain the difference to people. Or I can't, because again, I was a child. Um, and I also moved around a lot. So there was like a whole thing. Um, but there's, you know, there, there's that there's like, oh, cool. Like I legitimately thought the dollar store was paradise. I was like, oh my God, they have everything here. like least one, the 99 cents store in California, 99 cents only or whatever the brand is like, it's amazing. Um, so like, again, it's, I still like it, but when you go from like getting most of your shit from a gas station to, um, to that you're yeah. you're mind blown like uh i lived in a small town um in south dakota like maybe 30 minutes away um from the actual res and you know but very similar um and literally they only had a gas i mean the res only has a gas station too in most places they only had a gas station um like a library and for some reason a bunch of bars this was not a native town it was just a a regular town a lot of natives there but regular town and i'm like damn like as a seven-year-old uh i was like damn this place sucks (laughs) like there's like come on that says something right uh and but they again this was uh just some south dakota town they had a holly not a hollywood video but basically like a a video rental place and that was the reason why it was was like legit um but yeah and then you go to even wichita or colorado Uh, Denver and it's just like a metropolis right yeah I recently um went to uh Minneapolis uh St. Paul uh with like a a, Disney was like doing classes and teaching native kids how to write and I was there helping them and I I saw through their eyes what Minneapolis looks like right Mm -hmm. like I'm like oh my god like it's a big city and it's it's really like it's just it's the city right? It's a metropolis. And then through like everyone in like all the, all the TV and film executives who are used to LA and California. Uh, and they're like, what? I'm like, no, this is a metropolis. You got to understand that this is huge. This is a big ass city. And this is like a big deal because when you go from like a town to a big city, it's huge, you know?
0: Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Your yeah. First time and like, like
1: Minneapolis, that. Uh, has a large native community, so that's lucky. But, like for the most part, you go from the res to Wichita, Kansas. Oh shit, you are going to find no one.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are th- the only one. It's it's interesting that Disney decided to do that. Is that a a thing they just started, or have they been doing that kind of uh, outreach program for a while?
1: Um, so they have this thing called the creative talent development and inclusion program Mm -hmm. and there you know they did the abc writing program which is actually how i got my start um when i graduated college i had no idea what i was going to do because i was like oh shit how do you become a tv writer there's no actual class on that um so like well where did all the native tv writers come from turns out there weren't a lot i found two uh stalked them found out they came from this thing called the abc writing program And so I pinned all my hopes on that. I got in and it's this amazing program where they kind of, they hire you for a year and they, they, they train you and then they staff you out on a show if you're lucky and you go and you staff on a show. Um, And that's, it's a legitimate staffing position. um, And it's just really cool. Um, I actually
0: got staffed the first week, so I had no training. So you were staffed on your first job and you really didn't have any experience at that point? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, in general, those, those programs, um, you know, they're all about finding new voices and everything. And like the year I was there, they were like, well, a lot of times they want you to have at least some experience, but we chose you and you have zero. (laughs) And then oddly enough, I was the first one staffed. Uh, so I had no training. Uh, so I was kind of thrown in the middle of it. Um, but I guess to, to answer the first tangent, now I'm on a different one, I guess, but, uh, that was the ABC writing program, which is amazing. And now they have these classes that they teach and they really, they're doing a lot of native outreach because that's one of the communities that is, uh, so disenfranchised that you can't, it's harder to reach because, you know, Uh, One, there are a lot of Natives in L.A., but when you're trying to find these new voices, someone, my story is unique and that's why it was sold into a pilot. Um, And that's why it was developed, because it was unique. But most people, they can't just pick up and leave and go to California. And even then it took years of culture shock and learning the ways to, to, to even remotely get close to succeeding. So most people, they're not gonna be able to do that uh, they're not going to have a crazy mom who who's willing to just pick up and go. Um, so you know, when you're in South Dakota and you don't see any Native TV writers on television, and you don't see any of that, and you have no resources and no connections and no no know-how, it's not not going to happen. It's not it's not a thing. Um, so what what they're trying to do is they're trying to to show people like, hey, you can do it. You're you know, they're teaching classes. Um, and that's kind of why we did the um, that writing course. There was to you know take native kids from all over, but specifically places where they're not being serviced,
0: where mm-hmm. they're not
1: being you know you're, it, like California is great, um, but the proximity to the industry really helps, right? But if you live in in South Dakota, if you live in Nebraska, if you live in Oklahoma, wherever,
0: um, it it can feel a world away so the idea um, though is to go to these places yeah and where that's, there that's, is that's a,
1: why we did that program got it, that's got it about those classes and um,
0: and, and do you think cool. that's um more effective like in your case do you think it was helpful for you to be thrown into like a writer room si- situation was it almost like sink or swim at that point or were they helping you and mentoring you along the way
1: yeah i mean that that's like the whole thing is they help and mentor um I, for the most part, you get these amazing classes that go there. I actually, you know, I did some of the classes and tell my showrunners like, no, I just want you in the room. Just stay. Um, which is great. That's what you want. Um, so I did, you know, I did some of the classes during it. Um, ultimately, you know, the the program's about staffing, right? Right. So like if you can staff the first week you've won, that's it. You're good. Um, so I, you know, I never really thought it was like being thrown into the deep end. Um, because I, especially when you're starting out staffing, if you don't put that pressure on yourself, you don't put that. Like, you're the one putting the pressure on yourself. Like, you're not going to create, you're not going to, you're, you're a staff writer. You're not going to float the show. It's not on your back. Right. Um, you know, your job is to think of some really good ideas and contribute them without derailing. Right? Yeah, That's your job. Yeah,
0: you, you can play a support role and then kind of fill in and, and become it's a good place to grow. Or yeah, incubate, exactly, right? and
1: and that's what it should be. You shouldn't yeah. put pressure on yourself. And I think at that time, um, I didn't because again, I'm dumb and I don't I don't think of the immense pressure like having a family move across the country. I'm just like whatever, cool, mm-hmm. thank you guys. Let's let's do this thing. Um, so like maybe a, a sane person feels pressure, but like you don't have to feel that pressure. <laughs> like yeah. you you don't have to worry about uh, staff writing. You know, you're not gonna save the show, but if you can help, if you can be supportive, if you can fill in those gaps, um, then you've done your job. Because yeah. you know they have eight, ten, however many other people, uh, way higher paid than you, and that's their job to do that. Um, so when you when you're first starting, I think you know, for me, I was I was just trying to learn how everything goes, and I was obviously trying to like prove myself, but I, I maybe no I don't think I felt that much pressure which is <laughs> you know I I like it's this weird thing where I'm not a psycho because I've thought about this I'm like am I a psychopath um I'm not because like I feel super em- empathy uh towards like certain things like uh little chubby kids and and uh like little, little mice and cats and stray things and I feel bad for all these things. So I'm like, no,
0: I, I'm I'm not thinking you're a serial killer. No, 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 no. I'm going through my process. Uh, But I also,
1: I don't feel things like, uh, like, like all that much pressure and I, and loneliness. Yeah. So, (laughs) So it's just, I don't feel loneliness. It's a weird thing that like I've introspected. I'm like, Oh, I don't understand the difference.
0: That's, I, I'd say that's a big win. I'd say a lot of people do a lot of dumb stuff because they uh, feel yeah. loneliness. It's definitely it, it's
1: definitely so. a win, but yeah. like at the same time, as a writer, like I'm gonna you have to that. grasp yeah. loneliness <laughs> because that's a big motivator for people.
0: Yeah. So I like, thought about it a lot. I'm like, okay. You could probably find a good documentary on loneliness just to catch yeah. You up. Yeah, well, everyone on that. writes
1: about it. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, I've true. never seen the character. Uh, that was just a person who can't feel loneliness. One, cause just I don't think
0: it's- walking through a park with very happy music playing behind them. Yeah. It's just, you're just a happy
1: person. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, my girlfriend says, cause I've always been supported by my family and I think that's probably true, mm. but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I could spend like a good month alone.
0: You know, <laughs> and- I, I kind of feel that vibe though. I'm, I'm one of 12 and, uh, and I kind of got you because you kind of when you have a big family and it sounds like you come from a big family, extended yeah. family, um, you always know somebody's there. So once you know that you can be alone, knowing that worst case scenario, you can always go there. I think that's yeah. probably a different feeling than someone who has very little family. Uh, and that fear is very perpetuated of not having anyone to fall back on. Yeah,
1: that, that's exactly what it is. And I, and I try to be aware of mm-hmm. that. And like, you know, um, because one, it's a, it's a privilege, like having a supportive family, having a family at all is a privilege. Um, Like I know people who went through the foster care system um, and you know, it's, it's totally a privilege, like having Mm -hmm. a support system like that's a privilege. Um, So I got to be aware of those who aren't, Um, but also like for writing. Yeah. Like knowing that uh, not everyone is like you. So what is their circumstance? This character, they, you know, they're gonna feel loneliness. They're gonna, you know, they, they might not have a supportive family. Those are all things you have to be hyper aware of because or for me, I have to be hyper aware of not you globally, but me, just because those are, you know, not gaps in my knowledge, because you know, I know that it's a concept that exists, but it's just when you're a writer, you just kind of have to be aware of everyone's situation and how different it is from you. Because one of the worst things is when writers start writing people all the same and it's really just them. Well,
0: yeah, and that's very interesting because how do you, as a writer, you know you're weak in, let's take the loneliness example, you know you're weak in your ability to feel loneliness, so how do you sort of channel that if you need to find a character who feels that? How do you try to gain that empathy for loneliness um, in order to create a product?
1: Yeah, so... So for me, like, one, there's so many different characters that I have that, um, you know, not everything I do is based on that, but, you know, there are characters that I feel uh, that I've created that, like, I know for a fact don't have a support system, that I know for a fact did everything on their own, and I don't actually have a problem with it because the way I approach every character is I try to fi- I try to feel them I try to figure out their their entire worldview right their circumstances so that's kind of how I write characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I I like I, I've re- you know I, I've obviously I outline but in general I like to make things motivated by the characters. Mm -hmm. and then see where that goes and then oftentimes you have to rewrite and structure and guide and blah 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 but like for the most part i think if you if you keep things internally with the character then it, it it's almost like a safety system like you know for a fact that this character was raised without anyone you know let's say they went through the foster care system and you know for a fact that they have to do certain things um, because they never had, they, they don't have the privilege of any of that support. They don't have any of this. They don't have any of that. So like they had to teach themselves certain things that we take advantage of, you know, Mm -hmm. like we take for granted the things our parents taught us. Um, and you know, I also know cause I've done research that the foster care system teaches you things that one, not even parents teach now, but they, you know, oftentimes uh, there are classes, not always, but often there are classes that teach you how to, you know, clean, do laundry, cook, all this stuff that one, not everyone knows, but two, like you in generally would learn from that. So like I tried to, to figure out what their worldview is. And if you don't have a character that's based in a solid world, if you don't have firm grasp on your characters, then yeah, you're going to have gaps right Mm -hmm. so like if i know a character grew up with a single parent who worked a lot that character is going to have a different view than a character who grew up with two three parents um my my pilot was based off of having basically three moms (laughs) Mm -hmm. so like that was also a thing uh so two three parents uh um and you know a lot of people around so there's like a difference it's 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 a different worldview. Um, And obviously like money, class, all that stuff is also into it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I I really hate shows that do like poor families and then they talk about Costco. And I'm like, that is a rich person thing. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you save money at Costco, but do you know how expensive Costco is?
0: Yeah, they get the card and everything to get the membership. It's usually in a better part of town, so.
1: Yeah, and also you don't have enough money to buy five things of almond milk. You can buy one at a time if you're buying almond milk but right. like in general you can buy one at a time you have to go week to week here you can't plan ahead like that that's insane
0: um, so you almost approach like building characters that you may not know you don't know the foster care system do you approach them almost journalistically where you research them to well, if, that's, if
1: that's what the character's about and that's mm-hmm. um, you know and that's what the story is about I research them I try to tell stories based in my reality I think I think right. the stories that I have to tell uh, are are more um you know th- they haven't been told yet obviously native stories haven't been told um but like you know i can tell them best so for me if i'm telling a story it's going to be based on something i know but i want uh, you know i want to build a diverse group of characters and i want to build that so like in general i will reach out if it you know the stories usually is something i know i keep the stories really close to home Um, you know, my, my motto is especially like now, um, tell a story that only you can tell, Mm -hmm. you know, don't go out and take someone's story because someone's going to be able to tell that better than you. Um, if you want to, if you want to do a story, tell a story only you can tell. So that's kind of my motto. But when I'm doing characters, I do like to include this diverse thing. And, you know, um, I use foster care as an example. Um, it's not that I'm obsessed with it, but it is something that I don't see You know, you don't, you don't see what that means. And like, Oftentimes, uh, you know, it's it's always in relation to whatever meeting their biological parents or whatever it is. But a lot of times, that's not just what it is. It's it's people who know their parents who just can't live with their parents because they're because of something, right? Because of some issue, because of something, they are now taken away from the state. So that's something that I've never seen, and I think that that's a really great character, and I think that it it, it it's just different. And I and I try not to. Um, victimize or judge or you know lionize or do any of that i try to just look at what these people went through and base it off of that and that's kind of how i do characters so like if someone hell it, let's say someone was you know grew up in a in a town uh without a hospital right um not not that it's this detailed but like that's going to change the way they view things right so like I don't like hospitals. And I'm like, that is for sure. Based on what I grew up, that is for sure. A thing like that is for sure. Hearing from people that like hospitals are where natives go to die and they'll, they'll fuck you over. Got um, you. So like, there's certain things that like I try to base every character on. Um, and then I know that if someone grew up in orange County, making $200,000 a year, uh, I know that they're going to trust hospitals. That yeah. it's going to be weird. So it's just little things like that. And I think that that's probably where all, like, where all my uh, work goes into is just making sure that everything is right. And and it, I think it probably takes longer to write. But at that point, you know, you're putting yourself in the shoe of every character.
0: and, well, and yeah. on that note, you you seem to be doing a lot of work that Hollywood really hasn't been interested in doing for a long time, especially when it comes to native representation. Yeah. Would you agree with that?
1: I mean, honestly, like we're we technically there's a lot of mm. things in the work. But for me, until it's aired, I don't I don't trust it. But technically, um, there has never been a native television show.
0: Amazing yeah. is the wrong word, but yeah. it, it, uh, incredible in all the worst ways. of Yeah, something shockingly being bad. Why? Um, why do you believe that's the case? Uh well,
1: okay, to be fair, there is a PBS animated show that is currently on there. So we have that. Um that's a kid show. Um, but like if if you if you really go as far as that, uh it's it's like it it comes down to and I don't want to get too serious, because 'cause I'm always serious on Twitter and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like no like I, I'm I'm often the person hired to come in and do all the big jokes and all the all so like very different from my Twitter, but like it comes down to um, America from like the 1800s uh, decided to erase natives as a culture because once you can get rid of native tribes, you can take all their land and it's a lot easier. So like Hollywood from the beginning,
0: you
1: know, cause they, they started in late 1800s early, you know, it's funny because uh, shoot, I don't know the time. It was like 18, 87 some of the first film experiments were done with native tribes hiring native people and i'm like wow you know problematic people in the 1890s 1880s were doing a better job than hollywood is today right because they were actually hiring natives um and you know including us um but you know in general it started from a time where it was it benefited people to just ignore natives Right. And and hope they go away Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of erase them. Um, So like it's rooted in America and it was rooted in Hollywood. And as much as Hollywood likes to think that they've progressed and, you know, you you get all the people who think that Hollywood's super progressive uh, when it comes to native Americans, they're they're the like, everyone's kind of the same. There's no sides to it. Uh, Most people are, you know, they erase natives and that just kind of pervases through the current times um, still today, most places, uh, you're going to get the stereotype of the casino or the 1800s. Right. And those Mm -hmm. are done on purpose through multiple reasons, like culturally on purpose, not like the writer thought of it, but like culturally focusing on casinos. Um, it's like an easing of guilt, right? Oh, those rich, those rich natives are fine. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, when in reality, that's not the case. It's like focusing on, certain superstar athletes or whatever. It's like, okay, well, that's not, look at the rates. Like, look at, look at the statistics. Uh, that doesn't mean things are okay. Um, also, you know, like it's, it's technically sovereign land. They can do whatever they want on there. Um, but like, that's, that's a reason why people do it is I think it does assuage some of the guilt. It's like, oh, look, they got casinos, they're fine. Um, and then the 1800s, it puts us in a time period we're not now, you know, it's not your friend. It's not a doctor. It's in the 1800s. So like, for me, uh, like I, I would love to see like a native medical show. Um, I wouldn't do one because I'd be like, okay, let's make it dramatic. And super, super different. Um, uh, I mean, I might do one. That actually sounds like a good idea, but like, uh, I, I would make it super high end, uh, high concept it would basically graze anatomy on the res oh shit i think i developed a really good idea there no um,
0: <laughs> but like you know in general you said it, uh, it's it's on the guild now that i did it, it came did out it. of your mouth okay um
1: but like you know in general uh modern native representation isn't a thing uh because of erasure because it's once you get rid of and like you know i, I actually have documents of this but once you get rid of the, the knowledge of the tribe. Once you get rid of the native, you can take all the land. And that's kind of where it stems from. And Hollywood is just a byproduct of that.
0: Um, so so, so yeah, you think a that there was a, a conscious or subconscious thing in Hollywood to really uh, push it? Because even still, you know, even when we have... Um, uh Black Panther and and you know uh crazy rich Asians and and all these like sort of awakening movies for different cultures it still seems to have skipped over native culture in that and-
1: I I think it's ingrained in everyone
0: I don't think it's mm-hmm. conscious um okay. because
1: it benefits America to erase natives it it doesn't necessarily benefit a specific person it's just cultural right it it started Hundreds of years ago and it's just ingrained and not enough people are fighting against it for it to stop. So Erasure, you know it happens statistically it happens all the time um, and that's a big part of it too. And it just it just happens in a way where it's it's insidious because it's everywhere. you know you don't realize that error is all around you until you know no one would have thought like, mm. oh shit air is a concept that you can, you can bag air, you can compress it. It can, it has weight it Has all these things. It's just something you kind of are in. Right. Um, and then, then you become aware of it and you, you mm-hmm. can do all this crazy shit. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, but like, you don't, you're not aware of the things around you. And I don't think America is aware of how ingrained anti-native attitudes are, but also like specifically erasure. Right. Because for us, for, for most people and they, and they, they don't understand this, but we're, we're either a cartoon or we're, we're some, or, you know, some mascot or whatever. We're, we're, we're just, we're just a thing. And I think that you can acknowledge it in your mind. You can be like, oh yeah, well obviously native Americans exist. Duh. I'm not crazy. But the attitudes, they don't reflect actually thinking we exist. They Mm -hmm. don't humanize us. And that's when you see movies and all this stuff, where they treat us as plot points and they treat us as just things, right? We are, we are this to make this character better. Um, and we're not, we have not been humanized at all um, in, in modern television or movies. Um, and that causes people to not want a movie about us because we're, we're plot points.
0: And so it's a self, uh, self-perpetuating cycle, uh, there is there, um, and also when you're talking about it being like air all around us, you posted something on your Instagram about Google Pontiac, Google, um, you know, Dakota and the things that pop up in Google, it's all about cars it's all about celebrities or whatever it is but it has nothing to do with the original meanings of those words is that part of what you're talking about of it being associated yeah yeah
1: exactly like so it's one of those things where you don't realize that we're like our culture i mean because it's we were you know this was a native country first so it is ingrained like we're everywhere and we're simultaneously nowhere so So the idea that you can think of Winnebago, which is a tribe, right? Um, And no one thinks of the tribe. Most people, if they know what Winnebago is, if they know anything, if they've heard that word, they think of this camper, right? Um, But it's a tribe. Uh, and same with Pontiac. That's a native name. Um, and you know, Dakota, I actually, the funny thing is, um, I wasn't going against cars, but I wanted a whole car thing. So I'm like, Dodge Dakota, that's a car thing. No way is it going to show Dakota people. And it didn't, it showed Dakota, uh, Johnson. Um, so like, you know, it's, I think the phrase was when people say your name and you're no longer remembered, you know, erasure is complete. Um, and yeah, cause I, I'm doing this thing where every I don't want to give it away, but basically I, I was trying to find every native car, uh, like every car. And there's so many of them, like the Chevy Cheyenne, which, you know, was a truck and the Dodge Dakota, um, the, you know, Jeep Grand Cherokee, all this stuff. You, you don't realize that. And then, and this is, this is where I think, because honestly, I get that it doesn't seem important, like whatever, it's a name. But you look at what other car names are, right? Ram, Thunderbird, which, by the way, a native thing. Um uh i mean besides like the, the the srx and blah blah blah, like those those don't matter but if you look at the other things the other mascots the other names they're all objects or animals or something kind of vicious in general um you know specifically for mascots but also for cars um so like why are we lumped in the same category as a ram or a mustang like a mustang's a wild horse you know um why are we in that same category what are you saying um, you know, why isn't there, why don't you do that for any other people? It's because, uh, and it's not honestly, like, it's going to say it's a tribute, but it's because we're an object. Um, and I think that that's, that's, that's what the hard thing to grasp is because on the surface level, it's just a name. Um, but you know, you go beyond that and you look at, you know, you know, football teams, not that I even care, but like, you know, rams, panthers, bears, like, come on. Like, right. why are, Why is that the only time? Why are we only shown in context to animals? Um, and that's, that's kind of what it is. And it's just weird. It's just a weird thing. And I think it's everywhere, um, which is funny because people see us as nowhere.
0: Are there other things that you think people do or questions that they ask that are sort of pet peeves uh when it you know when it has to do with native culture uh
1: for me because like i said i'm i'm not i try to be understanding cuz it's people are taught this it's mm-hmm. everywhere um so for me i i don't get bothered by words in particular um but i get bothered by the the hypocrisy of exclusion so uh you get a lot of people who think they're good people Um, and then they leave out Natives. And it's like, well, you're not that good. And oftentimes, and some of the worst ones are when you see like government resources, right? Talking about like specifically poverty, specifically um, life expectancy. Two things where we, you know, the lowest in poverty, lowest in life expectancy, like those are two things where we are the most effective and we're like a footnote. And I'm like, are you serious? Like your whole job is to find out who is most affected and we are a footnote and, and you spend the whole, the whole report talking about something else. And then Native Americans are the most affected in a footnote. Hmm. Why, why aren't we the, the focus of that? Why aren't we worthy of also being talked about it? So like, that's the pet peeve for me is the hypocrisy, hypocr- hypocrisy <laughs> of working for something to help people, but not helping natives why, why aren't we worthy enough if you're if you're doing that? so that's my pet peeve. um you know because in general, I understand it if people don't you know know all five hundred and sixty tribe names, I understand that it's mm-hmm. you know that's that's education that you didn't have that you were robbed of but if if you're actively in a group and you're talking about like plumbing poverty and you don't include natives, you know Native Americans are nineteen times more likely. To face plumbing poverty poverty why is that a gap in your knowledge because i know for a fact you probably saw the statistic so that that annoys me when you you see us as just not even worth it and you're you're supposedly helping people
0: what um would you say your hope is for uh where hollywood would go is there something a place like hollywood could get to where you would be like i'm satisfied with this change or is is it too big of a thing to even ask it at i mean
1: honestly if if we were to be anywhere cl- like just statistically 10 at 10 tv shows a year is mm-hmm. what would be appropriate level of television like uh, i i think i think it's going to take a while even if we were doing that because you have to like make up for lost time and this is like 100 years of lost time um like yeah. there's like 90 emmys or however like I mean, he's been on for almost 90 years, insane. Like, how, I don't even think television's 90 years old. But, you know, you have to make up for lost time. But that would be like a start to proportionally allocate the proportionate amount of, of television, uh, probably more for a while to catch up. But like, if, if there were literally 10 TV shows a year, uh, you could get this breadth of diversity, right? Because not all natives uh, live on the res. There are plenty of natives who live in LA who that's all they've known. They've lived in New York. That's all they've known. Um, There are plenty of, you know, there's so many different stories and everything. So when you do something, the the pressure isn't just on you to represent everything, right? So like it's hard because you want to do a character like, you know, some of the best characters are anti-heroes, are the thieves, are the criminals. Uh, but when you only show a native character as a criminal, that is a problem. Um, when you only show a native character as a victim who is murdered, right? Like the horror trope is, you know, the, the only non-white person gets murdered in the first 10 minutes. Um, when, when that's the only representation you have, that's a problem. So if we get to the point where we're doing 10 shows a year where we're, you know, two of the top 10, like two, just two, two of the top hundred, I mean, two of the top hundred movies, uh, our native movies. Like if, if we're at that point, eventually we'll reach a point where there isn't that pressure and we can start showing this, you know, broad, diverse uh, group of native people. I mean, there's 500, over 560 tribes. That's a lot of different people. Like the the land, uh, the, the distance between, you know, South Dakota where I'm from, the Navajo, um, you know, and like Arizona, that's almost the difference between England and Egypt. Like there's it's crazy how how broad it is. So I think once we start seeing the diversity and once we just get a proportional, it'll take years after that. But I think that that's what progress will look like.
0: Yeah. Not just seeing it as sort of a monolithic culture, but seeing it as nuanced as as the tribes are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alaska is so far away. (laughs) <laughs> it's weird that we're yeah. kind of all lumped in there. Um, and, you know, culturally, it's so
0: different. Is there a show that's doing it well?
1: Um, well, like I said, there's a PBS show, Molly from Denali. That's really cool. That's, um, that's Alaska natives. Um, and that's, that show seems to be great. It's, I mean, it's a kid show. So like, yeah, yeah. I can't be like, yes. Oh my God. Uh, just the, you know, it's everything I wanted. Cause it, it, I mean, as a kid, I'd want that definitely. Um, so, so. They're good. Um, There was a a show on ABC that sadly I I didn't get to watch. It was canceled. But they had a native character who was just a doctor. And supposedly, like, I I don't know yet. Like, it may may have been executed poorly. But, like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm a doctor flown in from the reservation after typhoid killed my entire family. She was just a doctor. Like, that was it. She was just a native character who was a doctor. And that was great. Um, That's about it.
0: Okay. So, so. Uh, have you seen Yellowstone at all?
1: There are no native writers on Yellowstone, so I have not oh, watched there it. Aren't.
0: Um, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um,
0: interesting, I mean, that's super problematic. You would think that if half the characters are native, they would include native writers. Yeah, so
1: I've kind of boycotted that show. Um, I, I gotcha. probably should watch it to talk about it. Um, but yes, uh, from what I understand, they, they were not interested in, in reading native writers um maybe that's because like i think only like two people write it or whatever that's what i heard but uh as far as i know they were not interested in in getting native writers um which so i kind of boycotted that show for that reason um
0: no i could i could see why i i I could but
1: uh... so i so i don't want to judge that show um but i I, you know i will say all shows should if you have a native story and you know many of your characters are native you should have a native writer in there because that just creates a more authentic show. Yeah, like 100%. authenticity is good art. Honesty is good art.
0: It's interesting that those are the things that Hollywood pushes, you know, is like the authenticity, authenticity. But then when there's an opportunity for obvious authenticity, as i.e. having somebody who knows the culture in your writer's room that, you know, that gets an afterthought or that's a pass, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it
1: right now. Like Nate, Hollywood their biggest issue is native erasure. They just don't include us. But the next mm. biggest issue uh, is going to be in authenticity because I'm starting to see it and you think they'd learn their lesson, but I, I don't think they have. Um, there is going to be a lot of non-natives profiting off of native stories um, and either hiring just a consultant. And again, I'm not like, I don't, I don't think I'm asking for a lot. Like, If you have a medical show with a native character, who's like, that's not the story. They just, the actress is native. Um, yes, it would be great if you had a, a native writer on there. But like, if your show is specifically talking about a native issue, if you're talking about like a reservation or a powwow circuit or whatever it is, um, to take that from natives is not only going to be an inferior product because it's not going to be authentic. Um, you know, it's going to be those 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 shows we make fun of that came out in the fifties and sixties and seventies, because they were just so unrealistic and corny, um, you know, about just a plethora of things, you know, not, 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 specifically race, but like, you know, when you look at a show that's so inaccurate, it, it, it's corny after 10 years, because then you saw the real, the real uh, you know, representation of it. And it just feels corny. Um, so like, that's going to be the next big thing because I'm, I'm already seeing it. I'm already seeing people, you uh, just profiting off of these stories and doing them wrong, and then it's like, well, shit. Um, and then at the same time, you don't want to badmouth someone because they did hire native actors. I think. Um, I mean, hopefully they did. So like, that's that's going to be a thing. And honestly, I I just wish Hollywood would wisen up and think, how is this going to look in ten years? Is it going to yeah. look corny? Is it going to look yeah. bad? Um, so I I think that that's the next thing. If if we ever get past erasure, because again, there are actually a couple of great projects with native creators coming out um they haven't come out yet and i'm always weary because i (laughs) i once filmed an entire show an entire season of something it's it it did not come out um that's a whole thing that i can't talk about but like (laughs) i'm always like okay well when it airs let's celebrate um but we do have a pipeline of of better representation coming out from native creators but i'm also seeing this inaccuracy the, these you know i i don't want to be like i don't want to say anything that'll get me in trouble but like certain projects that i'm like well this has to have a native writer on it like like th- there comes a point where i'm giving advice being like listen i know you're not going to hire me but get a native like you have yeah. to i will help you find a writer for this thing um and then they're like well australia what about this they're from australia they're they're indigenous to australia and i'm like cool that they're indigenous cool. not the
0: same <laughs> Like, it's like having an Australian write something about LA, basically.
1: Like, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, well, I mean, cool. I, I like that they, you know, are there, but they're not going to give you anything more than some dude from Kansas is going to get. Like, they, they, right. they, they don't. They, you have to be authentic, right? Like, if I, if, if someone is like, hey, Lucas, we want you to do this project. It's about Indigenous people in Australia. I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, I know what it's like to be Indigenous, but I'm going to need someone who's indigenous from Australia to work on this with me because I don't know. And I'm not going to create this show. That's just based on my assumptions. Like I I just find that Hollywood's still doing stuff like that. And it's
0: absurd. Like they just did not want to. Right. It's like, they're trying to find a facade for it without really diving deeper. And I'm
1: all for collaborating, you know, Mm -hmm. like again, you want me to do a show set in Australia, I'm going to need someone Australian. Like that's just the first step.
0: Well, it's very simple. It's almost like taking more of a journalistic approach to it of where are you going to find this authenticity you claim to be seeking? It's from someone who's authentically close to it. So it seems that simple for me. But uh, you're right. I don't know why they uh, don't see it, but hopefully that is changing. We've gone over. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but um, I just want to say, do you have any advice for uh, young native writers out there who, who want to be like you, uh, what advice would you have for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably be better than me. Cause that's a, like, <laughs> strive for, strive for higher here. Um, but yeah, you can do it is one thing. Um, also if you want to be like a doctor, if like that's also a passion of yours, do that. That's great too. Um, so like, you know, do whatever you're passionate about. Think about it though, like, because writing is, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's, it, there's no job security. Um, but, you know, if that's, if that's what you want to do, great, you can totally do it. Uh, there are more native writers now than ever before. Uh, like, literally, like from when I started six years ago to now, there's, I think, like five times as many, six times as many. Like, it, there's a lot more. Um, and there's only going to be more. So, like, Now's the best time there's ever been to be a native writer. Um, but, you know, it's still, you know, it's still going to be an uphill battle. Um, I would say, cause uh, there's so, you get so much advice, right? Like blah, blah, blah. But for most people who, who are, who are looking for these, I can give you advice on staffing I can give you all this stuff. But for me, I think that the true advice for someone listening, a native writer who, who doesn't have any connections, who, you know, isn't, who wants to just be a TV writer, start writing. Start, start getting your specs ready. Start, start thinking of amazing ideas, right? Figure out how to do it, learn, um, get a lot practice. Uh, and then beyond that, beyond being ready, because honestly there could come a time when there's just a call out. I've seen it. I've been a part of it where they're like, we're looking for this writer. We we need a writer that specifically this and this and this. And if you fit that bill and you have a good, you have a good sample ready, you're, there's a good chance that that's your opportunity, right? Um, so I had a teacher who, you know, luck is uh, opportunity meets preparation, right? Um, and that's that's true. If you're prepared, if an opportunity comes to rise, you'll be able to take it. So that's kind of the general, um, specifically beyond just having an amazing sample and being prepared, um, start doing things on your own. We now live in a time where you can do that, uh, whether it's just a, tw- a Twitter that you're really good at you know, I've seen people, I mean, you're seeing it now where people are getting jobs on, you know, late night shows and all this stuff from having a successful Twitter account. That's insane. It's work. I'm not trying to say like, trust me, I'm a comedian. I write TV comedy. Being funny on Twitter is a whole different skill Um, so I'm not downgrading it, but that's start doing stuff like that. Start making home movies, start vlogging. Um, there, there are now shows being produced off of web series. Right. And honestly, there's going to be a uh, pressure for you to feel like you need to be as good as these web series who often they won't tell you, but have like $5,000 budgets and these expensive cameras and blah, blah, blah. Now get your iPhone, make something funny. It doesn't matter how it looks, preferably make sure we can hear it. Sound is, is actually kind of important, but like, just do it, just, just do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be well funded. Um, get that work out there. And just start producing, and you never know what could come of it.
0: Sweet man, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for sitting down, doing this. Very insightful, and. Uh... I feel like there's a lot more that we can talk to talk about. So uh, we'll have to bring you back on, but I appreciate yeah, you I just talk coming. About, so. I appreciate your time. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Cast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you would leave a comment and rate the podcast, that would be awesome. I-, I love hearing your feedback. So thank you so much to everyone who has done that uh, and more to come next week. So I will see you next Thursday. And by see you, I mean you will hopefully hear me. Okay. Until then keep her moving get the last squash out of the garden okay it could freeze any day now and then she's ruined uh and also watch out for deer so roll out the barrel and get the band brewing life's got you down just keep her moving it's on wisconsin the badgers say it's the old wisconsin jubilee You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot into walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle, and you think you're done? No, you gotta keep her moving.